for your grace and your mercy. I want to thank you for Jesus and the gifts that he brings to us. I want to thank you for salvation, forgiveness, healing, and wholeness. Lord, I pray that this morning, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. 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 So, you know, over the last 12 years, I've had the opportunity to travel around the world, literally around the world. And for the last nine years, I've actually been able to do it as as a pastor. And I've had conversations upon conversations with people literally around the world. Uh, in Europe, a lot of time, I've spent a lot of time in Europe. I've been into Honduras. I've been to Africa. I've had many, many conversations with a lot of different people. A lot of different people. And the ones that intrigue me the most are the conversations that revolve around faith. That revolve around God. Now, in different parts of the world, Christians actually have different ideas about God. Go figure. And so, and so as, you, as you kind of engage and kind of talk about God with so many different people, there's different ideas about uh, who he is and how he interacts with the world, how maybe he doesn't interact with the world. I've had conversations, very interesting conversations about Jesus and the Holy Spirit and forgiveness. And I mean, and it seems that there's, there's all these kind of different takes on things of faith. People have different ideas, different philosophies, different theologies, all within the church, capital C. And I have found and I have met people that are all the way to the right, ultra conservative. That you just want to like poke them in the eye in the name of Jesus. That's, what we, that's the way we roll here. And then I, I've, I've talked with people that are just uber liberal and they too need a poke in the eye in the name of Jesus. And, and then you have everything in the middle. Heaven, hell, faith, forgiveness, Christ. And, and as I've traveled, people, people who consider themselves Christian, they're always willing to share their faith. They're always willing to talk about it, to engage it. One time I was on my way home from the Czech Republic and um, I got an upgrade into, it, well, it's an upgrade into poor man's first class, you know, the exit aisle seat, because you've got all that leg room. I mean, you're pretty much, it's your style in at that point, if you're in the, the emergency exit. And so I got upgraded because they asked if anybody was willing to open the door in a case of emergency, like falling from 30,000 feet, you've got a chance to open the door, but I was willing. And so this young woman, she decides that she is also willing. And so, um, we get in our seats and her name was Amanda. And so, uh, you know, the plane takes off and Amanda and I, we start talking and she was a college student from Virginia and she was in the Czech Republic in Prague studying. I don't remember if it was occupational therapy or it was physical therapy, but she had gone with her classmates and she was sharing with me how disappointed she was in the way her fellow classmates were behaving. They were going out into Prague and they were getting all drunk and drinking beer. And, and, and so I'm, I'm sitting and I'm listening and, and, and uh, 
And she goes, and I said, well, you, you didn't go out with them? She goes, well, no, I'm a Christian. Now, now, you would think being a pastor and being a Christian, the first thing I would have said was, oh, I'm a Christian too. And then we would have had this great, in fact, I'm a pastor. But I think it's because I'm not fully sanctified yet by the blood of Jesus Christ. The first thing that pops into my mind is I'm going to mess with her for like the next seven hours across the ponds. And so I'm like, Christian, really? What? What's a Christian? And she's just like, her, she smiles and she's like, here it goes. And she just like, whoa. And she's just laying it out there, man. And she is bringing it hot and heavy. And I'm thinking, wow, some church down in Virginia is really doing their job, man. I mean, this girl, she, she knew. And, and so I'm playing along. And I really think I brought her to the point where she thought she was going to seal the deal. Right. And then I and then and then again, my 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 sinful nature just took a nosedive. And I just started saying, well, and she said something about like, uh, well, the Bible says I said, yeah, I don't believe in the Bible. And she went, uh, uh, well, um, I said, so don't quote it anymore, because I just I, I really don't believe in it. And so she looked at me and she goes and I, I told her, I said, well, you know, it's just written. It's a bunch of stories written by a bunch of guys. Oh, no, she says. It's the inspired word of God written down by people. I believe that wholeheartedly with, but I couldn't let her know that, at least not yet. And, I, and she said, it's the inspired, it was inspired by God. I said, so was Pearl Jam's first CD, but I don't base my life on that. And so I thought I was going to catch a fork to the chest at this point because she was just like, and she was convulsing. And so the conversation went on, and I was just kind of poking holes and fun at her and asking her really difficult questions. And, and she really did good. I mean, she, she defended her faith well. And so time goes on, and after a movie, and we're eating dinner, she looks at me, and she goes, so what do you do for a living? <laughs> I, I looked at her, and I said, Amanda, I'm a pastor. <laughs> now, I mean, look at me. I don't look like a pastor. And when I'm traveling, I don't even have my best Easter shirt on. I just got a T-shirt. So I'm just, you know, all tattooed out, bald, unshaven, you know. And I said, I'm a pastor. And she goes, oh, no. <laughs> I said, yeah. And, 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 and again, I thought the fork was coming off the tray into my chest. And she goes, I knew it. I knew it. You just knew the right questions to ask to push every one of my buttons. I'm like, it's a gift. It's, it's, it's a gift. And so I've had those conversations over and over and over again as I've traveled the world. But, but with Christians, those aren't the most intriguing conversations for me. Uh, I have traveled to uh, the old communist countries of Eastern Europe, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Slovenia, Hungary. And what I find there in those old communist places, um, it's very difficult for people to believe in God, to, to, to have any kind of faith. In fact, in northern Bohemia, where many of my friends live that I know from the Czech, uh, they say that it's about 95% atheist. Now, they say that, and I'm a card-holding member of they, and I haven't written that policy, so I cannot confirm nor deny that that's the truth. But it's really a atheist-centered culture in that area. They don't believe in anything. There is no God. When you die, you're dead. And they have these amazing, big, beautiful, old churches that sit empty every Sunday. And, and literally, some have become museums. Some you walk up to the door, and there's a gate at the door, and all you can do is peer in. Some you have to pay money to actually get in. And they don't hold service there anymore, and no one goes because faith 
has dropped out of those places in, in, in Europe. And I have been laughed at more than on one occasion for my faith in Jesus. I was speaking to a group of high school students in a school in the Czech Republic, and they called me a Puritan because I think that sex before marriage is wrong. We're not listening to you. You're a Puritan. I didn't know, how to, I didn't know what a Puritan really was. Um, I didn't know how to take that. But that's the culture they live in. At 14 or 15 years old, parents give their children permission to go and be intimate with their boyfriend or girlfriend. It's cultural. And even those conversations aren't the ones that intrigue me the most. Because you have the Christian, and then you have the atheists, and then you have the people, I'm going to call them the people in the middle somewhere. The people that believe there's something out there. There's, there, there's something more out there. They believe in a God, a, a creator. But the problem is they don't, have a, they don't really have a relationship with that God. And so what they do is they try to define for themselves what this God is going to be like. What this God is going to do. And so they begin to define him. And, and, they, and they create a God for themselves that's just kind of comfortable for them. And this God is comfortable and, 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 and it fits into their lifestyle and it fits into the things they like to do. And, and it's a God they create that it doesn't really, he doesn't really demand too much from them. It's just kind of static quo. You can go through the motions. You can come to this God anytime you want. And it's, it's almost like he's, he's a little puppy waiting for you to get home so you pay some attention to him. You would be surprised how many conversations I've had where people say, well, I believe in God, but, you know, I, I believe what, you know, I want to believe. I have my own beliefs about him. And if anything, if anything is required from this God that many people create in their own minds, if anything is required from this God for them is all they have to be is a good person. All they have to be is a good person and them and God it's, it's, it's all good, right? I, I haven't killed anybody. I don't cheat on my taxes. Yeah, okay, maybe I don't drive the speed limit all the time. But, I mean, I'm, I'm better than those people. I'm better than that person. I'm a good person. And so they believe that because of that, God needs to accept them. What I find very interesting is that in that genre of people... Um, they all believe in heaven. Many don't believe in hell, but they all believe in heaven and all of them are going to heaven because the God that they've created in their own minds is a God that all they need to do is be a good person and they're in. Listen, I don't want to be a downer on Easter, but that's just not the truth. That's just not the truth. And so... God, Jesus, and faith, it becomes all about our behavior. How we act. I behave this way, and if I behave this way, then I make the cut, and it's all good. The problem with that idea is good. Good behavior is a very relative phrase. It ranges from, I haven't killed anybody yet, 
all the way to, I need to read my Bible and pray every single morning for an hour. And then, then God will be happy with me. I spent some time in, uh, with the Maasai tribe, Mike Gadwa and I went there and we spent a bunch of days uh, living with them in Kenya, Africa. And it's a Christian tribe. And in this tribe, they believe that um, you can discipline your wife. The man has the right and actually the responsibility to discipline his wife. And that's just a nice way of saying they get to beat their wives Many of these women are literally, they have huge scars on them from the beatings they took because the Messiah men, Christian men, believe that if, if, if your child acts out, then you discipline your child. And so if your wife acts out, you discipline your wife. And so there's absolutely culturally nothing wrong with beating your wife when she does something that displeases you. That's what a good husband does. A good husband who has many wives. And so do you see, good doesn't always fit nicely into our little definition. Here's the truth. No matter how good you think you are, you are not good enough in the eyes of God. You can't behave well enough in the eyes of God. Because he demands perfection. And guess what? Ain't nobody in this room there yet. And guess what? No one in this room will be. And so we're bombarded. These people are bombarded. By this idea that if, I'm only, if I only behave... This way. If I'm a good person, then I'm okay with God. And it's a God that they've created for themselves. And, and, then, and then what frustrates me, and don't get me going, up oh, too late, here I go. What frustrates me is in, in the genre of politics. Like, we use this word conservative. And to be a conservative, that means you're a Republican, and since the evangelical bigwigs get behind this conservative movement, then there's this misnomer that says you have to be a Republican in order to be Christian. Or you have to vote Republican in order for you to be a good Christian. Let me tell you something, and this I'm sure of. If Jesus Christ walked this earth today, he would not be a Republican. All you Democrats going, mm-hmm. Let me just say this. He would not be a Democrat either. You see, Jesus is a king. You don't vote for a king. And he is the king of kings. Amen. And so, faith, God, religion, it's so dangerous that we, 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 we look at it through this external lens of politics and programs and behavior and morality and ethics and social issues. And we think that God blesses or he judges on how we behave and that we can work ourselves into God's good graces. I've had so many conversations with people that way. And let me tell you this, you church folk, you are not exempt from this ideology. 
too often I see and hear churches preaching it's all about the should and the should not. You should not be doing this. You should not be doing this. You should not be doing this. You should be doing this. You should be doing this. And you should be doing this. Now, let me tell you, there, there are things we should be doing. And there are things we should not be doing. But that can't be the focus of faith. And then, and then they pervert it even farther to go, if bad things are happening in your life, it's because you have done something wrong in the eyes of God, and he's just laying down a little smackdown on you to call your attention in. Church world is not exempt from this idea of performing our way into God's good grace. And so in church, and and the people that don't go, say, to a church, but they believe in God, they believe in a God, they believe in a God they've created, they believe that all they have to be is a good person. And then they're in. And then I find in people that go to church, if I just follow the rules, then then God's going to love me and he's going to bless me. We're more spiritual in church, so we call it, it's the fruit of, of our lives and that we can work our way into God's grace and it's a lie it's a lie because when we focus on behavioral modification one of my favorite pastors calls it moral deism when we make morality the God and not Jesus God we lose our focus and we lose the beauty and the simplicity of the Easter story. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For, you, for by grace you have been saved. For by grace you have been saved. That is the Easter message. That is the good news of the gospel. Our standing before God, our salvation before God is not based on you and what you can do and what you can accomplish. It is by grace that we have been saved. This free, unmerited favor by the creator of the universe given to us. It is by that grace that we have been saved. Not by you trying to be good. Not by you thinking you've got it all figured out. Not by you not cheating or not killing someone. Or, you know, I don't use potty mouth words, so that means I'm in. It has nothing to do with that. By grace, you have been saved. Christ and Christ alone has foot the bill. 100%. No one is good enough on their own. No one is good enough on their own. It is only the grace of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you could earn it, if you can earn that salvation, if you can earn that, that uh, being right, being made right with God, 
then, well, I'm going to tell you, first of all, a lot of us would be in a lot of trouble because we'd never get there. And the ones, the very few that may have be able to get there, they'd be walking around like they're all that in a bag of rice. Look what I've done. I have achieved my salvation. I've won it for me. And they get all puffed up. At least no man boasts. No woman boasts. You've been saved by grace. When it comes to your salvation, you trying to be a good person has absolutely nothing to do with it. It's only through the grace of God that we've been delivered from this desperate situation that separates us from him. That thing called sin and this salvation, it, this, this separation, we're spiritually dead. And salvation means we come back to come back to life in him. But that spiritual death is, is, is our own willingness to live separate from the calling of God in our lives. That we would place something but him first in our lives. That we would make something other than God the ultimate, most important thing in our lives. That ultimately is sin. And all of our junky behaviors are just a consequence of that. That we've put something else before Christ. Something else before Christ. And it's by grace <laughs> that we are called back and given that opportunity to come back. His free gift, the free gift of the cross and a Savior that went there and stretched out his arms and died. And it's that grace that holds that salvation. So no person, so nothing could ever steal it away. For by grace, you have been saved through, what's the next word? Through faith. We got to talk about this idea of faith a little bit. It's important for us to deal with faith. Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection it universally sets up, um, it sets up our salvation. Universally sets it up, which means that every person can, every person has the opportunity to walk forgiven of their sins. Every person has the opportunity to be reconciled back to the creator. Every person has the opportunity for this beautiful thing that God calls grace. But salvation is not universally applied. Just because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead does not mean everyone will spend eternity with God. It is by faith. That we would put our faith in Christ. That we would put our faith in the atoning work of the cross. That we would trust in that. That we would believe who he said he is. And we would believe what he did was for our benefit. And that we could be forgiven. Not because we've earned it. Not because we've deserved it. But because he went to the cross and purchased it for us. It's by faith. God's gift of salvation begins with him. 
and it's received by us through faith. I mean, we could say it this way. God's van- from God's vantage point, it is, it is his grace that is the foundation of our salvation and not our good works. And from our vantage point, it's faith that is the foundation of our salvation and not our good works. Faith, it, it ignites grace in the human heart. Faith releases grace in the human heart. And so, man, I want to go to Hebrews. I want want you to look at this. Hebrews 11, it says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their condemnation. Condemnation. Yep, that's the word. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. There's a lot of stuff going on in this, this verse, and I wish we could get to it all this morning, but we're not going to be able to. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to use the first couple lines just to kind of share some thoughts on faith. Um, faith is that thing that ignites grace, ignites grace in the human heart. And faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Hope is a very interesting creature. Because if you have a hope in something, that means there is something in your life that you do not have. If you have hope in your heart about something and for something, that means in your life, some area of your life, there is some discontentment in your heart. There's a bug flying around my head and I'm going to kill it. See if the Lord raises it. I don't think so. It's, where was I? Uh, and so there's, there's discontentment in your heart if you have hope. That's, that's the foundation of hope. So if you hope that at your next job review, you were going to get a raise, that probably means that you have not gotten a raise at your next job review. Okay? If you hope that you get that job, that means there's probably some discontentment in your life, in your heart, around your current status of employment. If you hope that this year you will finally win the Harley Davidson from the Lions Club in Woolkit because for the last six years you haven't won it and you hope that this will be the year you probably haven't won it in the past. And if you have no idea what that means and you're a guest here, ask around, they'll tell you. (laughs) Hope is that thing in us because we're missing something in our lives. And the foundation of faith is a discontentment. Something's not right. Something is missing. Something somewhere in you says, this can't be all there is. And whether it's a, a temporal thing, whether it's a, something in the physical, like a new job or, you know, a, a better house or more money or a brand new Harley Davidson for 2013. I mean, I mean, those things are all good. But some, for some of you, you have this longing, you have this emptiness that is just nagging at you from the inside and you hope that there's there's something more you hope that this this can't be it there has to be something more faith 
Faith is the assurance that there is something more to life. Amen. That's what faith is. And so maybe we could say that without being discontent, discontent there is no hope. And without hope, we can't have a difficult time coming to a place of faith. You know, one of my biggest fears for people as a, as a pastor, one of my biggest fears is that they just become content with life. That, eh, whatever happens, happens. And they become content with the, with the status quo that our culture has to offer. And they, they become content with just listening to Oprah and Montel because they are the new saviors and their advice is much better than what the Bible might speak or say. My fear is people become content with just living under the radar and just, just doing the same old, same old, or they're content in some dysfunction that they're going through. And they just don't, they just, they just kind of give up. That they're content to be persuaded to live and to believe what someone else's agenda says they should live and believe, whether that's political, whether that's social, or even whether it's religious. I fear as people become content with watching TV and listening to what some marketing company tells you is what this is going to make you happy. You need to have this, and you're watching this lame commercial during an episode of Desperate Housewives, which I will say is one of the worst shows on TV. Oh, I went there. Mm -hmm. If you're going to watch something good, you watch The Walking Dead and you prepare for the zombie apocalypse. All right? But I digress. And even more so, my fear is... It's a good show. It's season finale tonight. We were talking this morning on a worship team. The governor's going down tonight. I don't know about you. <laughs> and what I fear the most is people just get content and looking around and saying that life is just about what I can see and what I could feel, what I could taste. And this is it. This is it. I fear the people that just become content with this. This doesn't mean that you should be all walking around, kicking your feet, going, oh, life, you know, we don't want a bunch of Eeyores. But that contentment in your heart, that this is all there is, and you're good with that. Discontent is the foundation of faith because it screams there is something more than this. And faith is the assurance that there is. And without faith, the grace of God does not come alive in the heart of anyone. And so we're on this journey. We journey with this idea of faith that begins with being discontent and wanting and believing that there's something more. That this can't all be all there is. That my life can't just be around me trying to be a good person. Because I'll bet you many times if you're honest with yourself, you do a lot of rotten things. 
And so it seems like it can never get ahead of the curve. And that life just can't be, there has to be something more than just not killing someone or not cheating on my taxes. There has to be something more than just a new car or more money or a better job or a bigger house. There has to be something more. That's the contentment that, that inspires and ignites faith in us. And maybe, maybe for some of you, you just become aware that, hey, guess what? The world actually doesn't revolve around you. And there's a bigger picture that you're missing. And there's a bigger picture that you desperately want to be part of, but you really have no idea what it is. And so you allow this longing inside of you, this emptiness inside of you to start to bring you to a place of doing something, of beginning a journey, of looking and asking and seeking And I'm telling you, every journey that begins with the desire to find the truth will end up at Jesus Christ if you don't give up. Because Jesus said, I am the truth. Not, I've got the truth. Not, I know the truth. Not, oh, come over here. I'll tell you what the truth is. Jesus said, I am the truth. And I'm telling you, if you're on a journey and you're looking for that thing that empty, to fill that emptiness in you, and you're, you're honest about it, and you're, not, and you're not willing to give up, you're not willing to give in, and you're not willing just to get content and comfortable, it will lead you to Christ. Because he is the truth. He is the truth. My coming to Christ almost 18 years ago was birthed out of brokenness and pain and just being discontent with the way things were going. I mean, inside, like, like Sandy has always been great. She's always been amazing, but there was something inside me and I couldn't figure out, couldn't figure it out. And I didn't know what it was. And you just get to the point where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired all of the time. And I didn't know what it was about and I couldn't figure it out. And so when I was about 27 or 28, I started, I started this journey trying to find it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't even know what I was looking for, but I knew it was something beyond just stuff. And I started to engage spirituality. Unfortunately, the beginning of my journey, I started to engage things like Carlos Castaneda. If you don't know who that is, Google him. He's a freak. And, and I went right on through reading things like the, the, Tibetan, the Tibetan book of the dead and going, wow, this makes sense. From Native American philosophy, I even had my own spirit guide. I, I think, like, I don't even know if it was real. I just might have needed medication at that point. I don't know. And I was talking to this, I don't even know. But you see, that just didn't, that didn't fill what I was looking for. It didn't, it didn't make the difference. And I didn't give up. And I pressed on and I pressed on and I wouldn't give up because this emptiness inside me just kept just kept calling me and moving me and pushing me. And I can look back now and see that it was the hand of God continually drawing me. Even when I was reading that junk, he's going, come on, man, just just another step. We can do this. And I kept on and I kept on and I kept on until I found myself kneeling at the altar of Bakerville United Methodist Church. And this guy by the name of Earl Lloyd came up to me. I worked with him and he looked at me and he said, Dennis, are you ready to receive Jesus? And before I could say no, I said yes. Amen. 
And that was years in the making. But it was, it was birthed out of a discontent for men. I'm just tired of the way things are. And so I moved. And I worked. And I looked. And I read. And I prayed to things that weren't God. But yet God's grace was still upon me. Because he didn't let me stay there. Finally, that journey brought me to the truth. And the truth was Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ. And my faith ignited his grace within me. And that grace brought me to a place of my salvation, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And I was changed. My behaviors changed. Not because I read the self-help books, not because I was trying harder, not because I said, well, I better do this or God's going to be. Because the grace of God transformed me from within and then everything began to change on the outside. I couldn't fix myself. I couldn't change the way I was living. But the grace of God ignited in my heart through faith changed Everything, And he is still to this day writing my story because I'm telling you, our Savior lives. And he desperately wants to, desperately wants to write your story. He's just waiting. He's just waiting. He's waiting. Maybe some of you here this morning, you're thinking, yeah, I got that. I got that discontentment, man. I got that angst inside me, man. I, I'm, I'm looking for something, but I don't think it's God. Like you're here because you got guilted into being here. I don't believe that for a moment. God could use some good old fashioned motherly guilt to draw people to himself. <laughs> Maybe you're just like, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, man. I, I got that too. I had that too. I've, I've got it. I, but, but God, really? Jesus, really? Look what it says. Um, it's actually verse 3, but the second paragraph there. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. All right, so just, just in that brief few words, what that is telling us is that everything has been created by God. Colossians tells us that in him, through him, for him, everything has been created by Christ. And I use interchange, Christ and God, they're the same. The Trinity, three in one, one in three, God and Jesus are God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Everything has been created by him, including including our salvation and including the way to salvation, the road to being saved. It was created by him. And so you don't get to shake your fist at God and say, listen, God, that I have created in my own minds. I, my, my good outweighs my bad. And so you have to accept me. That's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. 
You don't get to define who God is. God defines you. You are the created. He is the creator. The way to the Father is only through the Son. And we can put a period at the end of that statement. Nothing more, nothing less. It's the blood of the cross, the work of Christ that makes atonement, that allows us to be forgiven. To allow, and, and that's the grace of the cross, and it is faith in that cross in that savior that ignites the grace in the hearts of people and when you put yourself under that and you're just willing to receive you can be saved not because you deserve it not because you earned it not because you behaved your way in but by an obedient savior who went to the cross to die for each and every person. The only offering that is acceptable to God was the Son on the cross. It's not our good behavior. It's not our bargaining with Him. It's not you shaking your fist at Him, telling Him, hey, look at man, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good woman. I don't do this and I don't do that. That's not the way it is. And and uh, um, I don't know how to quite say this. Um, I don't want to sound like a jerk on Easter, but I guess I'm going to sound like a jerk on Easter. If you don't like that, it's too bad. It's too bad. Because where are you going to take God? I mean, the Supreme Court's seeing some action right now. Maybe you can take your case there and say, Supreme Court, Mr. and Mrs., God is being politically incorrect. He's made all of the rules, including the way that I can receive salvation, the way that I get to be good with him. And I think, I think that you should rule against him. It sounds ludicrous. But so often we have the argument in the, with ourselves in our own minds. Where are you going to take God to disagree Who's going to overturn what he says in his word? Who's going to overturn the word of God? A little hint, and I won't even charge you for this one. No one. We don't get to choose how we come. God has chosen. And so you can, you can shake your fist all you want. You can be arrogant. You can be prideful. You can turn your back. But I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you this. One day you will stand before him, every person, and you will either receive the grace of Jesus Christ or you will receive the wrath of God. And I'm telling you, I'm pleading with you, wrath is not the way to go. You can receive the free gift of grace through faith, not by works, so no one can boast Jesus has paid it all. Jesus has paid it all. And so, on this Easter morning, we don't do sunrise, we do like brunch. On this Easter morning,
may you embrace the discontentment that's in your heart. And may it birth in you the desire to seek and to search and to press in and run after this Jesus Christ. On this Easter morning, may you, may you put aside your idea that you can work your way into the grace of God. That you can work your way into his good graces by your behavior, by being good. On this Easter morning, may you put aside that, that the idea that you're not good enough. That God could never forgive that sin. There is not a sin big enough that you could have ever done, that God cannot and will not forgive you of if you go to him and just ask him. May you understand that grace is free or it would no longer be grace. And that you have been saved by grace. Through faith. If you want somebody to pray for you today, we're not going to do an altar call because that's just weird to me. <laughs> I'm not sure what I would do. Thump you out. But seriously, if you want to be prayed for today, for anything, we're going to have some guys over here. Maybe we'll have some ladies too. I don't know. They can pray with you, pray for you. But man, if you're feeling that 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 thing in you, that discontentment, man, that's that could just be very well God drawing you toward Him. And I'm telling you, faith is the hope of things assured. There is something more than this, and it's beautiful, and it's amazing, and it's still difficult. And it's still ups and downs, but it is beautiful and it's amazing. It's the story of Easter. That whoever would believe can have eternal life. I love you guys. Have a great, great Easter. And some of you I'll see next week. Grace and peace to you.